Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 36 with Linda Sunshine West that has just made me emotional for a few seconds because of her amazing attitude and giving soul. You are going to meet Linda in a few seconds. I'm only going to tell you just a few words about her because she's my star today. She'll be doing the talking. Just know that she has conquered a fear each day for an entire year. Isn't this inspirational? If this isn't inspirational for you, I am not sure what can be so much better than this. Linda is a book publisher, a speaker, an international number one best-selling author, the queen of co collaboration, and if I may add, the queen of conquering fears as well. She is a co-host of Bookish Talk, executive film producer of Wishman, Red Carpet, interviewer, and philanthropist. Nothing happens without action. <laughs> As the founder and CEO of Action Takers Publishing, Linda's mission is to empower 5 million women and men to share their stories with the world, to make a greater impact on this planet. She is affectionately known as the queen of collaboration because I have indeed seen her close to Les Brown and to many other amazing personalities. Linda, it's wonderful to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Roxy. And when you were introducing me and you said, you said, and I might add the queen of, oh shoot, what'd you say? Because I want to I want to coin that one. You said the queen of breaking through fears or something like that. And I'm like, I like that one. <laughs> the queen of fear conquering because- Fear you, conquering, yeah. You having this amazing mission, Linda, when I know that you had such a tough childhood, this makes you even more inspiring and such a powerhouse of ambition and personal development. Can you please start by telling us your story? How did you get to- decide to conquer a fear every single day for an entire year. Yeah, well, first, thanks so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. You know, any opportunity I get to share my story, I jump at that opportunity and I'll share with you why. That's part of my story, actually, is, you know, when I uh, was growing up, I grew up in a very volatile, abusive, alcoholic household. And at five years old, I decided I'm not going to live here. And I ran away and I was gone for an entire week. Now, I only ran away to the neighbor's house, but for all intents and purposes, as a five-year-old, I was gone forever. I was going to be you know, gone forever. And so what happened during that week is something that, that, will, that will shape my life to come. And I didn't know it at the time, of course, not until many years later. So as I was at the neighbor's house for a week, nobody came to get me. And so I had this belief that was instilled in me at that young age that Nobody came to get me because they don't love me and they don't want me around. These are the beliefs that I carried with me for decades, believing that my parents didn't want me around. My siblings would make fun of me because I had a funny nose and, and um, I was chubby. So they called me Buddha. So I had like all these things that were going on in my household. And so what happened was after I was gone a week, my mom did know where I was, but she didn't tell me she knew where I was. 
So when I came home after a week, she called up the neighbor and said, Linda's been gone long enough. You can send her home now. So I came home literally with my head bent down. I wouldn't look at people in the eyes for decades to come because I was riddled with fear. And not only was I riddled with fear, but I'd become a people pleaser because of the fear. What if I say something that they don't like? What if they don't like me? I really wanted people just to like me. And I believe a lot of that stemmed from the fact that nobody came to get me when I was five. Like a lot of these, um, these uh, things that we come up with, these challenges that we come up with, these fears that we have start at a very young age, but we don't really recognize it because we're just living our own lives. So at age 51, you know, I, I had had 36 years of working in the corporate world. And during those 36 years, I had 49 jobs. And one day I was driving to work for my last job, working for a judge in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which here in California is the highest court. And so I was working like I had made it. This is my penultimate, the best job ever. And I hated the job. I was bored. I was driving to work every day thinking like, what am I doing? I hate this job. It's just so boring, you know? And so that, oh, after about a year and a half of that, I was driving to work one day and I started having these like angry feelings were coming up. And it was like, what is this life all about? What is my life all about? What's the purpose? I don't understand the purpose. Like, why am I even here? I have no value. All I do is push papers around for a judge. Like that was, I was just so filled with anger. And um, when I got to work that day, I went onto Facebook and there was a post inside of a Facebook group from a woman I didn't know. And it said, I'm a life coach. I took some time off. I'm getting back into it. And I'm looking for five women who want to change their life. That woman was talking to me. She didn't know me, but she was talking to me. And I said, in that moment, I'm going to do it. I have no idea who this is or what this is all about. I don't even know what a life coach is, but I want to change my life. So I raised my hand and I said, I'm in. That was one of the greatest decisions I ever made for myself in my entire life. And it was a gift I gave to myself. So what's cool about it is that I embarked on this journey with this woman and she helped me so much. Every single week, she would give me a homework assignment. Every single week, I hated her because it was tough. Oh my gosh, talk about emotional breakdowns. I had had all those years, all those years of fear that were just like locked deep inside of me and they were coming out and they were coming out on a weekly basis. I'm feeling myself get a little bit emotional just remembering that time because it was such a transformational five months of working with her. So at the end of five months of working with my life coach, my life completely changing people in my life that I had known for years were kind of like falling out of my life because I was changing. I was becoming a positive person. I was starting to make impact. I was starting to help people. I was starting to see that I have value. That was such a big deal for me. Like I felt I had no value. I was starting to see that I have value. So what happened is January 1st of 2015, I woke up that morning and I said, I've changed so much. I've grown so much from working with my life coach and I was done working with her and I want to continue changing. I want to keep growing. And I said to myself, I have so many fears. Fear is stopping me from living. I'm going to break through a fear every day this year and see what happens. I had no idea what was going to happen. So that's the story getting up to that breaking through a fear every single day for a year, 365 days in a row. 
breaking through a fear. Imagine how your life can change if you were to break through 365 fears in a row. Wow, Linda, this is jaw-dropping and mind-blowing. The strength that you had inside of you was actually latent. It was waiting to push out and start like a volcano. I am so glad that you shared this story with us. And about people-pleasing, Linda, can you please share your thoughts about how can we break from this because this has been something that I kind of dealt with since I was a child. I can relate to your story so much. Uh, it's um, interesting as, as I started, as I stopped being a people pleaser, because it was a process. It wasn't like one day, boom, I was no longer a people pleaser. As I was going through this journey and realizing that what the biggest, the, the biggest challenge that I had. And the reason I was a people pleaser is because of my fear. It wasn't that I was a people pleaser. It was that I had a fear of something that was causing me to become a people pleaser and to live as a people pleaser. So that fear is that fear of judgment. That is the biggest fear that the majority of people have is the fear of judgment. There's a saying that more people are scared of speaking on stage than they are of dying. That's not real. The reality is that more people are scared of the judgment that they will receive from speaking on stage than they are of dying. So when I started looking at that and saying, wow, the majority of my fears, because you know, by about three months into it, I started looking back and trying to think, what's the common thread behind these fears that I have? And it was that the fear of judgment. I was so scared about what would somebody think of me if I did this? What would somebody think of me if I said that? Would they talk about me behind my back? One of the fears that I had that, so here's, I'll share with you the process is every morning for 365 days, I woke up, I lay in bed. And the first thing I did before anything is I asked myself a question and that is what scares me. And I did that 365 days in a row. And then I laid in bed. And I waited until that fear popped up for the day, whatever the fear was of the day. I didn't have any of this planned out. It's not like I had a list. No, it was in the moment. I was living in the moment. And so one of the fears, I remember this one, it was to uh, go to a restaurant by myself. I would never go to a restaurant by myself. Why? Because when you go up to the, uh, the check stand or whatever it's called, and they, they say, how many in your party? And you say, only one. I, I just was, I couldn't do that because I couldn't have people look at me and pity me. This is, these were my thoughts. Pity, people pity me that I'm there by myself. She must be lonely. She must not have anybody here. She is by herself. And so that was the fear that I had going into it. Again, that fear of judgment was showing up. So I, that day, you know, go to, a, go to a restaurant by myself and say only one. That was the fear. So I went to the restaurant and it was just like a local restaurant here. And, and I showed up, they asked how many, I said, only one, but I decided to leave off the word only. And I said, one, like confident one. And then they sat me down and I, I, and I looked around and there were people in the restaurant. And my fear was that people were going to be staring at me and they were going to be saying, Oh, look at her. She's all by herself. Poor thing. Not a single person was looking at me. And I was like, oh my God, 
that fear that I have had for decades of going to a restaurant by myself, that fear, like it's unfounded. The reality is nobody really cares. (laughs) So that was kind of the start of it, of that, wow, that judgment. I'm letting that stop me. And, you know, I would just like every day I'm breaking through a different fear and the majority of them were based on judgment. So what happened is by the end of the year, like that fear of judgment, it's almost completely gone, almost completely gone. It will still be there because I'm a human being, but the difference is what do I do with it now when it does show up? That's the difference. Now what happens is if I experience fear, it's an experience we have. It's uh, something that's going on physiologically in our body, which is translating into our brain and turning into or turning it into a fear. And so what's happening now is as I feel, as I start to feel something happening in my body that's different, I look at that and I say, what's causing this? And I say, oh, I'm scared to do ABC. Okay, I'm going to do it because I'm scared. And this is my new mantra. Do it because you're scared. Because when you do something that scares you, you think about the majority of things that you've done in life that have scared you. When you did them, you looked at that and you're like, oh, I'm so glad I did that. So when we don't do the things that scare us, we're depriving ourselves of that thing that we're so glad we did. So now I say, okay, I'm scared. I'm going to do this because I'm scared. Because I know the result that I'm going to get on the other side, nine times out of 10 is way better than I ever imagined. So why am I going to deprive myself of that? So do it because you're scared. I love this. Putting your focus on the satisfaction you get afterwards. Uh, Yeah, and it's very realistic because as you said, well, it may not go even 100% as you would really want to, but the thing that you did it because of the fear, oh my goodness, that gets you to be so proud of yourself because you actually took action. Yes, And, and not only that, but a lot of times, when you do something that scares you, the result is better than you ever imagined. So not only the satisfaction for yourself that I'm so proud of myself because I did that, but then, whoa, this is so much better because you know, like you mentioned, you know, Les Brown, you know, I had this opportunity to sit with Les Brown, you know, international motivational speaker, right? For a couple hours. But if I hadn't broken through those fears in that year in 2015, and that opportunity showed itself to myself, to me, to sit with Les Brown, I wouldn't have done it because I would have had so many fears that I hadn't broken through to get me to that point. You know, interviewing stars on the red carpet, being a, an executive film producer, you know, uh, international, like all these accolades that I have, all of those, a hundred percent of them are because I allowed myself to break through those fears every day. And now doing things because I'm scared, I don't know what results going to happen in a year from now, because I broke through a fear today. It's not always instant. It's, sometimes it's cumulative, right? Like, you know, doing, going to that restaurant that, you know, that day, I'm going to share with you, can I share with you in your audience, um, the seven simple steps to breaking through fear every time? Please tell us, Linda, please tell us. I love this. I created this process probably about, you know, a couple months into this journey, realizing that, you know, I had to do something so that to make it easier for myself to break through fears. So I came up with this very simple, simple seven step process. 
And here's how it works. We'll use the example that I, that I gave earlier of going to a restaurant by yourself. So if you're a person who doesn't like to go to restaurants by yourself, first of all, ask yourself why. And if it's because of a fear of judgment, I want you to break through that fear. Okay. I want you to make a commitment to do that. So we'll just use that as our example today to make this easy. So the question I would ask myself, and it's a seven step process. It's seven questions that you answer yes or no. It's a simple yes or no answer. Okay. So the first question in this instance would be, if I go to the restaurant by myself, will it adversely affect my life one year from today? So it's if I blank, whatever the fear is, will it adversely, which is bad, right? We don't want it to poorly affect our lives one year from today. So adversely is a key word here, because if you said, if I go to the restaurant by myself today, will it affect my life? Yes, it can. It can affect your life in a positive way. But we want to get to the adverse. Will it, will it badly affect my life? Now, if I go to the restaurant, if I go to the restaurant by myself today, is it going to adversely affect my life in one year? No, of course not. So now you're going into like a reality check. And that's from emotion. Our, um, our uh, fear is just emotions. It's energy in our body. And it's usually turmoil of some sort, like anxiety or something. Oftentimes is what it is, is how we relate it. But we can turn that around into excitement instead. So now you say, if I go to the restaurant by myself, will it adversely affect my life six months from today? Again, it's the same question. It's just a different time period. So now again, we're moving into that, that um, logic state of mind. We're saying six months, heck no. If I go to the restaurant by myself, it's not going to affect my life six months from today. So then we do it again. If I go to the restaurant by myself today. Is it going to adversely affect my life? one month from today and you answer the question no because it's not you know it's realistically it's not going to and i'm going to i'm going to go through this whole process each time with you because you have to ask the full question each time so your brain has an opportunity to hear the question and to answer logically so if i go to the restaurant by myself will it adversely affect my life one week from today no if I go to the restaurant by myself, will it adversely affect my life one day from today? No. If I go to the restaurant by myself, will it adversely affect my life one hour from right now? Now, the answer to that might be yes, but it might be no. And if it's yes, here's what you do. You say, you know what? But it's not going to adversely affect my life tomorrow. So I'm going to go. The last one, this, this, the last one would be, if, if I go to the restaurant by myself, will it adversely affect my life right now? So this process here, what this does is it moves us from this energy, like turmoil energy into a logical state. Now everything's moving up into our brain and we're saying, logically speaking, yes, this is my fear. Yes, my fear is real, but it will not adversely affect my life. I'm going to go do it because I'm scared. I'm writing things down and this is amazing. Our fearless friends, make sure you have a pen <laughs> and a piece of paper because this is vital information. It's actually Linda, a reality check. I love it. And it's so easy to put in practice. It just takes you a few minutes of being fully present in the now. I love it. Right. And when you say that, 
if the answer is yes at the last question, will it affect my life in an hour? You're going to think, okay, but it will not do anything for tomorrow. And since tomorrow is utopic, since it's not real, this is an amazing way to also train your brain, to train your mind. What a great example of seeing that the things that we have here are not even close to the reality as we have there. Because as you said, when you walked into the restaurant, no one had anything to do <laughs> with you. And it got me thinking, when I was around 11 years old, I used to want to have my hair um, arranged in a certain way. And one minute before going out, I would just have it back to my usual normal style. And I would be so upset because in my mind, I would think, oh, the other kids are going to make fun of me. I wish I knew this great exercise because the fears in our minds look like dinosaurs. You go out, you do it despite fear because you're afraid, because of fear. And you realize it's just a doggy. It's not going to hurt me at all. This is really amazing and so wonderful to put in action, even today for everyone listening to us and watching mm -hmm. us. Linda, yeah, you're realizing that your future life, it, it, like you're creating it right now. In this moment right now, you are creating your future. So if I had never broken through those fears, if I had never done that, that wouldn't, I would probably have never become an executive film producer, right? I would never have uh, written a book. I would never have gone on stage. I would never have met these incredible people that helped me to continue to grow. And that's the beauty of it is that because I stepped outside of that proverbial comfort zone that we have the comfort zone it just means we're comfortable there it doesn't mean it's a good place like my mom was with my dad for 55 years and it was 55 years of abuse and after my dad passed away the very first words my mom said were thank god the bastard is dead those were her first words she had lived 55 years in her comfort zone but it was a bad place so we right now in this moment right now every decision that you're making in your life is creating your future. So what decisions are you making? You know, remember back to the day you first got behind the wheel of a car and you were 10 and two, you were totally scared. You were gripping the steering wheel like crazy because you were scared. Like, what if I die today, you know? And then eventually now I see people that drive, they're eating, right? Or I see people shaving or, you know, uh, putting on makeup while they're driving. And they're like, you know, driving with one hand or driving with their legs or whatever. But they had to go through that fear that first time, maybe the second time they got behind the wheel, it was still scary. Maybe for a month or two months, it was scary, but it got less and less scary as time went by because they were just breaking down that fear, breaking it down, breaking it down. So this is why I like now I don't have that fear of judgment. It does show up, but I nip it in the bud right away. And I say, oh, that's just fear. I'm going to go do it because I'm scared. It's completely changed the way I work with fear and deal with it. Love it. Oh my goodness. You know, I'm, I'm specialized in fear in business when taking decisions, but this is a whole new level, Linda, of dealing with fear. And I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this on myself first before anything else. This is amazing. And I'm so grateful. Exciting. 
for you telling this to us. Linda, in 2015, you had your biggest, strongest, most amazing fear-conquering year on this planet <laughs> ever. Can you please share with us what would you say your biggest breakthrough was in that year? Uh, the biggest breakthrough was that moment that I realized that the uh, like overarching theme for my fear throughout all those decades, I was 51 when I started this, breaking through fears, right? 51. So that's 51 years of fear, that the overarching fear was that fear of judgment. That was huge for me because once I acknowledged and recognized what the fear was, now I could tackle it and, and really see things differently. So it's that awareness, you know, once we have awareness in what is going on or, you know, whatever it is that we're facing, that awareness is when I can make changes. Now, if I don't make changes, that's on me, but I have the opportunity and the ability to change the way I live the rest of my life. So that was my pivotal, like, wow, it's the fear of judgment. All these things, like going to a restaurant, um, talking to a stranger in a Starbucks, going to a networking event, and actually starting a conversation. All of these things, I was like, judgment, judgment. Ju these are all judgment related. Those are my fears. I didn't jump out of any planes. I didn't eat any bugs. I didn't do bungee jumping because my fears were so deep rooted in the fear of judgment. That's the fear that showed up every day for 365 days in a row. And I believe it was because I needed to break through those in order to do the things I'm doing today, making the impact I'm making today, having the opportunities that are coming up. And one thing I love to say is to see the opportunity, then seize the opportunity. So opportunities abound. They're all over the place. But what are we doing with them? Are we seizing them or are we letting them pass us by? Because fear is stopping us from seizing that opportunity and changing our lives for the better, for the better. Love it. I'm very passionate about this, as you can tell. <laughs> I love it, Linda. This is amazing. You do see fear as a guide, as doing it, making your life better. I love it. And I do believe this as well, because fear is a part of us. It's how we are built as humans. Why yeah. give it so much resistance? Well, you did say that you had these fears for 51 years, but you didn't have the means to deal with them back then obviously if you would know how to you would have done everything that you would need to break out of them and i do see fear as a great ally it's like fighting the weather don't fight the weather go outside when it's sunny don't fight fear use it to your advantage see what it tells you because there's a hidden amazing message just wanting to take your thinking to a whole new level about fear of judgment. I had this, I think, until three years ago, and I would be very judgmental myself. In my case, I had this awful fear. I kind of felt embarrassed, as you say, to even look up to people on the street because I would know that I would instantly say, I don't like your hair. I don't like your face. I don't like your clothes. I don't like your makeup. And at one point I said, okay, I'm getting anxious. I need to fix this. And as soon as I began to accept myself, being human means uh, diversity means not perfection actually. And I was happy to finally break, through, break free from this 
sense of false perfection. What do you think about perfection and fear, Linda? What's your opinion on this? First, you know, thanks for sharing that because it it just sparked a a memory for me is that, you know, I too was very judgmental. Now I grew up in a, you know, an abusive household with a lot of judgment. That was what I knew. That was the environment I was used to. I was accustomed to that. And so what happened? I became judgmental too. I was the same way. I would, um, I remember um, sometimes I'd be at one of my jobs, you know, 49 jobs, right? I would be at one of my jobs and they would have the People magazine and, you know, Better Homes and Gardens. So they had these different magazines in the, in the lunchroom. And I would pick up the People magazine and I would start looking through it and I would be critical of the, of the people. And they're like, you know, who do they think they are? You know, look at them being all mis, mis- perfect and all this. And I would just you know, say, things about them because that was what I was accustomed to. So what's cool about that is that I'm not like that anymore. And just like you said, it was one of those recognizing things that I had is that my fear of judgment stemmed from me being judgmental, but not only judgmental to others, but also judgmental to myself. Like I was my own worst enemy, big time. Like I constantly would pick on myself. People would pick on me when I was young, you know, junior high school and, you know, kids are kids, right? And they would pick on me. And then I said to myself in seventh grade, I remember I said, I'm going to beat them to it. I'm going to pick on myself first so that they can't get the best of me. So what ended up happening is I created this pattern of of me, you know, self um, degrading myself on a constant basis. So I was my own worst enemy. I was judgmental of myself. And I was also judgmental of others. So by grow, breaking through those fears, another thing that happened is I found myself becoming less and less and less judgmental to myself and to others. So now when I see somebody who's like doing really great work and, and they're out there and, and they're, they're like what the, what the uh, world would call bragging about themselves, I say brag on because we want to know how amazing you are. Because the more we talk about how good we are, the more we do the better work we do. Now, if, if it's bragging to the point that you're just bragging to brag, that's one thing. But you know, I want to hear all the, all the great things about you. So this judgmental piece is so big. And uh, one thing that you shared that made me think about something was that that vulnerability piece, just by sharing that I used to be judgmental, you know, like you were saying, you know, is that that's a vulnerable piece because a lot of people don't want to admit their shortcomings. I've got a lot of shortcomings and I'll, you know, I'll just talk about them all day long because I no longer am worried about what you think about me. Cause I know that there's many other people who have the same exact shortcomings. And those are the people I'm going to relate to. And those are the people who are going to connect with me because they get it. They get it. And I get them as well. So one of the sayings I came up with is to be brave and share your weaknesses for in your weaknesses, others see your strengths. So when I get up on stage and I talk about some of the challenges I've had or some of the things that were moments of weakness for me, other people will look at that and they'll say, oh my God, you're so brave to share that. So it's giving them that opportunity to see that it's okay to share these vulnerable moments. It's actually good to share these vulnerable moments because that's how we connect with other people. You're right. You are completely right. And there's no person without faults, without having tougher journeys. We may have tougher journeys than other people, but it's all about accepting ourselves first. Such a beautiful way, Linda, of 
you helping people connect with themselves when you share such a tough upbringing? Because let's face it, how many people break out of that situation? Not too many, not yeah. too many. And I'm so happy that, wow, 51, but you sure made so much progress in a year, more than others in a hundred years. So it's uh, kudos to yeah. you for just being so oh passionate. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because as you were talking there, something came to mind that I'd never really thought about before is that, you know, because I, I shared that, you know, I was judgmental to others. I was also judgmental to myself. I was my own worst critic. And so how many people are out there right now who are judging what you and I are talking about are judging us for something, you know, maybe my lipstick's not on right, or I don't have enough makeup on or my hair, you know, my hair is straight or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But really you think about it when we're judging others, we're judging ourselves as well. So the people who are out there judging, placing judgment, especially extreme judgment on others, they're in pain. They're in pain and they might not even know it because that's all they know. And this is one thing that's happened for me is by me going through this journey that I've been on. I remember when I was younger, I would think I would see people who are smiling and happy. And I was like, that's a bunch of BS. They're just faking it because I never experienced true joy. But now that I have, and now that I love my life and I love what I'm doing and, and I totally get it. I'm now that person, right? Linda Sunshine. Sunshine's not my given name. That name was given to me just a couple of years ago because people saw me as Sunshine and they started calling me Sunshine. That's how it came up. But I was never called Sunshine before in my life because I wasn't Sunshine. So it's interesting because now I look at it and I say, uh, you know, I, I totally get it. I know what it's like to love life. I know what it's like to love myself. I know what it's like to love people, other people. And this is so different than what I ever knew in my life before. So I was going through pain and they're going through pain too. So what if we look at it from a place of empathy instead of getting mad at them or thinking like, what's wrong with them? What if we looked at it from a place of empathy? That person is in pain right now. Maybe there's something that I can say that will brighten their day. Maybe not, but might, might as well try. This is beautiful. I have not think of it like this, empathy. When people are in pain, they attack just because they are afraid of being attacked. As you took the decision to first judge yourself so that others, even if they judge you, at least you are going to be the first one that did that. We do have all sorts of defense mechanism and we don't know it. So many mechanisms are going on in these patterns that we create just to protect ourselves. And I also had an interesting childhood. It wasn't too much drama, but I kind of assisted um, a lot of fights and vicious arguments between my parents and some uh, relatives. And I thought that people that are happy are such good actors. You cannot be this happy. I so relate to your story. Wow, it's amazing how our minds are so different, but yet so similar in just making sure that we are protected from even larger amounts of pain. Because you're right, 
when you're not ready to deal with this, you just keep it in and you get bitter and bitter and bitter every day. And Linda, now that you broke free from it all, what would you say that inspires you the most in life? What makes you feel more alive more than anything? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I have a thought about this uh, many times, especially in these last few years, well, only in these last few years. Prior to that, I never would have thought about it. But I, I inspire myself. And this was such an important piece for me to move into that place of that. I like, I no longer need outside cheerleaders because I'm my own best cheerleader. When I'm starting to feel down, I just reach within itself and I say, you know, Hey, let, what do we need to do to come out of this? Maybe I need to just sit in it for a while. I don't know, but maybe I'm ready to move on. Right. And so I inspire myself while there's, there are a ton of people in my life who do inspire me and motivate me. And I have this great support system, which is incredible. But the most important piece was for me to become my own support system. That not that I don't need people, but I don't need their support to move me forward because I can do that my own now. I remember I've, um, I remember one time I was hosting an event. I've done a lot of events and I was hosting this event and a couple of my friends reached out and they said, Hey, I'm going to come to your event to support you. And I said, I don't need your support. I want you to be there because you want, to, you want to be there. Not, I'm not coming to support you. I'm coming because I want to be there. That was huge for me because that was me saying, I don't, I don't really need support. If, if only three people show up, three people show up and I'm happy with that. It doesn't matter because the people who need to be there are there. But I need to, I needed to learn how to support myself, become my own best cheerleader. And that was a pivotal, pivotal moment for me because everything I'm doing today, while I give credit to other people as well, because they're part of my team, but I can do it on my own. It, like when I say that, not that I can grow my business on my own, but I can keep myself motivated, you know, and that was, that was huge. Wow. You inspire yourself. This is new food for thought for me. I'm going to ponder on this and I want to make this a part of me too because I love this. You're right, Linda. Everything we need is here. Yeah. It got me thinking to having a, a loving relationship. You cannot wait for anyone to make you happy. It's not their job. You didn't hire them. We have so much attachment and so many needs that we just need to fulfill ourselves. Linda, if you could give us an advice about how to be your own cheerleader, how to be your inspiration, what would the first step be? First step would be to believe in yourself. So I did not believe in myself. Again, I was my own worst enemy, right? So I called myself all kinds of names. I had, you know, called myself stupid. And my first husband called me stupid every day for, you know, a couple of years and stupid and ignorant. So I believed, you know, these different things about myself, but I also got really good about saying these things about myself. So what my, what was my belief? My belief was that I was stupid. My belief was that I was ignorant. My belief was that I was unworthy. My belief, so I had all these beliefs that were negative beliefs. So the first thing that needed to happen is I needed to believe in myself. But how did I get to that point? 
Well, it was really interesting because, you know, working with my life coach was pivotal. She was the one who like cracked the egg open, you know, and started to help me to see all these different things. But I was attending an event that my life coach was putting on. And what we did in this event was pivotal for me. And that was that she had each of us sit on a chair in front of the group. And there were about 12, 12 women in the room. And each of us was sitting on the chair. And as we were sitting there, the women in the room, and a lot of them, I didn't know, I probably knew about six and didn't know about six. They just started saying, like, what did they see of me? Like, I'm sitting here, not talking, just sitting there. And they were starting to say words at like what they saw. Some of them were like a leader, pioneer, kind, passionate, giving, caring. I can remember some of the words because they were so pivotal for me. And then those words were all written on a board. And then at the end, you're, you look at the board and you tell, like I told you, tell your life coach, I told, told her what I thought of these words. And did I see myself as these words? And I started crying. I'm getting emotional now, remembering that moment, you know, I started crying. Like, I don't see myself as any of these, not a single one. So what I did is I took, it was a big piece of paper. I took it, I brought it home and I set it on the other side of my computer. And every day I would look at those words and I added the words, I am to the front of them. I am a pioneer. I am a leader. I am passionate. I am kind. And I added the I am to all those words. There were about 28 words. And so what I did is I incorporated what they saw in me, the positive things, because I had been listening to the negative things from my past, but now it's time for me to listen to the positive things from my future. I took the words that they saw in me, what they believed me to be, who they believed me to be. And I decided to adopt their beliefs of me and to become that person that I believe in. So I started going through this process of the mantras that I used were mantras that other people gave to me. Because mantras, I did mantras before, you know, and I just didn't believe them. I thought it was a bunch of crock. It was a crock of poop. You know, I didn't believe in that stuff. But when they said it to me, to my face, that this is what they believed in me. I knew it was time for me to start believing in the, believing those things about myself too. So what I did is I started to see myself through the eyes of others for others, see the real me. It's another quote that I came up with. you see yourself through the eyes of others for others, see the real you, but the positive things, not the negative. So we need to eliminate the negative, but how do we eliminate the negative? We don't eliminate the negative. What we do is we create the positive. I never thought about like these negative words were going to, I never thought about like, how am I going to get rid of these negative words? All I focused on was how am I going to become this positive? How am I going to believe that that's who I am? And that was how I did it. I mean, it was incredibly important piece of my journey. Incredibly. Wow. Linda. I'm speechless, but I got to speak. This is amazing. This is just unbelievable. And it just shows what focus can do. Don't focus on getting rid of fear, anger, frustration, 
all sorts of negative issues that are going on in your mind. Just focus on being better, doing better, and surround yourself with positive people. It does make all the difference. I'm so happy that you got to break through this. This is amazing. And now how many lives are you impacting? How many people's lives are completely changed by just listening to you? Because just talking to you, to you now, look at this. I have a ton of new amazing ideas that I am going to incorporate. This talk has changed me. It's changing our viewers and our listeners. And I'm so grateful for your journey, for you sharing it with us about your journey. Yes. Yeah, I'd like to share something on that. When I started the journey, I didn't have a goal. I just took the first step. And then the next day, I took the next step. I didn't have a vision. I never, ever, ever in my life thought I would be doing any of any of the things I'm doing today. Zero. They were never in my trajectory because that was for those people. But I took that first step that first day, and then I took a step the next day, and I just kept taking a step, and things started unfolding, and I started stepping into who I am. I started stepping into the person that I was meant to be, started living my purpose, because I discovered my purpose during the journey, too. So it's been absolutely incredible. But like I said, I just started with one step. I had no idea where that step was going to take me. I couldn't have planned this because if I had planned it out on paper and followed the plan, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today because I would have limited myself as to as far as I could see myself being in a year. The changes that had happened that one year were vast, vast, and they wouldn't have happened had I had that plan. I'm not saying don't plan anything. I'm just saying don't plan your whole life. <laughs> Linda. Thank you for saying this. Okay, hallelujah. Thank you because I believe the same thing. I really believe that if I said something into details as many processes and procedures with the SMART goals are, I really believe that I'm limiting myself. And I appreciate you saying that you didn't have a clear plan because people feel overwhelmed thinking that I need to plan it out. I'm starting a journey. I have got to see where I'm going. Not really, just see the first step. Linda, I am so grateful that you said this because I believe that the more you plan, the more you get overwhelmed. Sometimes since I have a baby girl and she likes to climb everything, including climbing on me and my husband, we need to have some sort of an agenda of the day. But if I get to plan my work very thoroughly, I get to these 30 items on my to-do list in the last three hours of the day that I just feel, okay, I'm not going to do this. And my mind just goes, just shuts down. It completely goes into a blur. And I'm so happy that I'm going to now rely even more on just doing one thing at a time. Maybe we have this, Linda, as a society, just wanting that big satisfaction at the end of the to-do list, at the end of the journey, seeing the huge plan. 
But what if we focus on one thing at a time, focus on quality, meaning just be happy and fulfilled while doing it, not wait and postpone happiness, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Was it Harley Davidson says it's not the journey, it's the it's not the destination, it's the journey. And that's what life is. It is a journey every day. I don't know what tomorrow holds. And so I'm just I'm living my life. Yes, I have I have visions, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. But when I started this journey, this um stepping into who I am journey, I didn't have any visions. Cause I had never experienced that before, but now it's like all unfolded. And now I, my visions are big and they're probably not big enough still, you know, but I have these visions and I'm stepping into them. You know, our mission is to empower 5 million women and men to share their stories with the world, to make a greater impact on the planet. You know, that number 5 million people ask me all the time, where did that number come from? And I said, well, because originally I said to myself, 50,000, 50,000 people, right? Because that's doable. And then I remember Grant Cardone says 10x it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to 10x that number. Well, I actually accidentally, what, I 100x it instead on accident. So it went to 5 million. So that's why we're at 5 million. But here's the thing, something I'd never thought about in my life. This is a legacy number. The odds that I will actually publish 5 million stories while I'm still alive, I'm going to be 60 soon, you know, the odds of that happening are slim. It can happen, yes, but they're slim. And so this is what I'm leaving behind when I'm long gone. I love it. And this is so cute and great to share that you have accidentally 100 exit. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Let's do this by accident, Linda. Let's just have all of the accidents being uh, adding uh, just one more zero <laughs> at the end of a number. This is great. Linda, please tell us about your book, about what inspired you to have such amazing piece of content and what makes you happy when people get to share their feedback with you? No, oh, I love that last question, especially, uh, you know, I, I wrote a book called The Year of Fears. Um, the reason for writing that book actually was in 2015, when I was breaking through a fear every single day, I have a mentor, his name is Greg Reed. And um, Greg, you know, seeing me going through all these uh, fears and everything, during that journey, he was writing a book called Footsteps of the Fearless. And he said, hey, you should write a write one of the chapters in this book, Footsteps of the Fearless, because you're breaking through a fear every day. It's perfect. So I ended up joining that, that book. And it was really incredible to do that. And I got to tell you, I was scared to, to share it with people because I didn't want people to see my name in print, you know. So anyway, after that year was done. I was, you know, done facing those fears every day, breaking through them. And Greg said to me, hey, that's really cool that you broke through a fear every day, but what are you going to do about it? And I was like, what do you mean? I think breaking through a fear every day is plenty. I don't need to do any more. And he said, no, you need to write a book about it. Who breaks through a fear every day for a year? Nobody. You got to write a book about it. So I wrote a book about it, you know, called The Year of Fears, The Seven Most Important Lessons I Learned That Will Save You Time and Money. And um, it's actually endorsed by Les Brown, which is really cool. And I wrote the book. It took me about a year and a half to write it because I kept starting, 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 starting. I never finished it. And I talked to a, I met this woman who's a book coach and she taught me how to finish my book. So I ended up finishing it in a week and publishing it the following week. 
I'm so glad I did because about three months after I published the book, I was attending an event. There were about 400 people at this event. During a break time, I was talking to some friends, you know, like four or five people were you know, standing in a circle. And I heard this woman come running over from the other side of the room. She was yelling my name, look at the sunshine, look at the sunshine. And she came up to me, she says, I got your book, The Year of Fears. I read the first 14 pages and I already broke through five fears. It was in that moment that I realized the power of our story. And that is really what, you know, kind of like got me on this trajectory of writing these books and, and sharing people's stories. You know, right now what I do at our publishing company, you know, we, we help people to share their stories with the world by writing one simple chapter. You write only one chapter. You don't write a whole book. And it's been phenomenal and just incredible the changes I've seen in other people by them being part of these compilations, you know, these collaboration books. And that's why I'm called the queen of collaboration, by the way. Uh, but it's, it's incredible how your story can impact somebody else's life. If you put it out there. This is wonderful because this is legacy. The written word remains for years and centuries. And we do yeah. get to be so inspired by stories. It just started millenniums ago when we would just gather up around the fire and this is how society and communities were actually built and I think your mission is unbelievable this is beautiful and it's life-changing and world-changing Linda I you. it's so much what you're doing Beautiful. It's my privilege, you know, my privilege and honor to be the conduit for this, because I truly believe like I was placed on this planet to go through all those years of turmoil, to go through all those years of judgment, you know, to go through all those years of being a people pleaser and all of that stuff so that I could break through them so that I could empower others to do the same. And so I'm like this conduit to do that. And so I'm just so glad that I'm, that I'm able to see that and fulfill that. You know, because I believe we all have a purpose. Some of us find our purpose and some of us don't. So I'm just fortunate that I'm one of those who did find it, but I searched for it. I tell you, I searched for it for a couple of years. Very inspiring. And yeah, you know, I sometimes think myself that, okay, I have broke through many things and many fears, but listening to you and seeing you, it just shows me that I need to, look more, to search for more, to know that it is out there. If you want to get it, you will get it because you have had such an amazing journey. And look at you now. You really are sunshine and having us so inspired and motivated. And Linda, I'm sure that everyone listening to us and watching us want to know how to get in touch with you. How can people see more of your amazing work and collaborate with you? Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this. And as you can tell, I'm very passionate about these topics because you know, anytime that I have an opportunity to get in front of people and my story can help to impact them in a way to move them forward, to live the life they truly want to live. I'm very appreciative of that. So thanks for giving me this time. You can find me at actiontakerspublishing.com. I'm also on all the socials, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff at Linda 
Sunshine West, and that's Linda with a Y. So you can connect with me anywhere over there. If you want to be in one of our books, we have lots of collaboration books coming up, many opportunities for you to jump in to share your story in a simple format of writing just one chapter, only 2,000 words. You don't have to write the whole book. And then we do all the rest of the work. We do all the rest of the work. So we'd love to have you join us on one of those compilations that we have coming up. And I just look forward to sharing your story with the world. Five million, we're on our way. We have 150. We got a little ways to go. <laughs> we're just starting, you know, we're just starting. <laughs> Wonderful, Linda. Wow. I'm sure that people are going to take action and get in touch with Linda today. We'll find all the details in the description of this video of this great episode on Spotify and remember to always take action to not let any day go by without making sure that you are happy do something that makes you feel alive if you could see Linda's beautiful blue eyes she is sparkling with joy and life and Linda it has been such an honor having you thank you so much for being vulnerable so amazing in sharing your stories that have really moved me so much thank you for your wisdom and energy thank you so much for having me I appreciate you